I love Easter weekend. I hope you've had a good Easter holiday so far. You probably got plans this afternoon. You know, one of the things that our family looks forward to every Easter is uh, part of our family coming and visiting us. And the family that comes every year to visit us Easter holidays, my sister and her husband, Angie and Mark, and their three little girls, Aubrey, Bethany, and Karis. And they're sitting right down here on the front row. They're going to be my biggest fans today, I know. And uh, what's the greatest thing about these three little girls uh, coming to see us is the anticipation that they have before they come. I mean, they're counting down the days. They're asking their mom, is it today? Is it tomorrow? When is it? They're texting back and forth my kids. This is how many days until I see you. It's just unbelievable how much the weeks building up to this weekend is surrounding the fact they're going to be on their way to see us. And when they get here, when they got here on Friday, we welcomed them with joy and celebration. We were screaming hello, and there were hugs flying around like crazy. I mean, it was an awesome experience right there when they came. And then ever since they came, we've been nonstop fun. I mean, nonstop. Games, building forts in the living room, having unbelievable food, lots of dessert, just fun games and everything you'd want to do to make the greatest celebration possible. We, we decorated Easter eggs. We're going to have a big Easter egg hunt this afternoon. We're going to cap off the weekend with just some great time together in fellowship. It's going to be fantastic. Now, here's my heart's desire. That those three little girls, on their way home today, in their hearts, will think, it was so worth the wait. Just a few days before Jesus Christ went to the crucifixion, he left the temple in Jerusalem for the very last time. And when he left the temple in Jerusalem, he proclaimed that the house of Jerusalem would be left desolate. He clarified that statement by saying that not a single stone that was used to build that temple would remain on top of another stone. That every single one of those stones would be turned over and destroyed. When the disciples heard Jesus say that, you can imagine they began wondering, what does this mean? The temple where God has promised His presence would dwell, is going to be destroyed? What? Jesus went up on the mountain, all olives, and His disciples came to Him privately, and they asked Him, when will these things happen? How will we know about your coming? And What is this about the end of the age? In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus begins to give comment to his disciples about the end of times. I want to look at the first part of Jesus' comment there in Matthew chapter 24. Turn with me, and we're going to start reading in verse 3, just to pick up where I just left off, and read the first section of Jesus' comments about the end of times. Matthew 24, verse 3. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. 
You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will go cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out of his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance, so if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner room, do not believe them. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, There the vultures will gather. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. We're going to begin a series through Matthew chapter 24 and 25, which I've entitled Alert Level Red. We're going to do this series for the next several weeks through Matthew 24 and 25. Are you familiar with the alert levels that Homeland Security uses? Alert level green, low threat for a terrorist attack. Alert level blue is the guarded level. There's some general threat of terrorist attack. And then there's alert level yellow. That's significant Threat of terrorist attack. Alert level orange, high risk of terrorist attack. And then the highest level of alert is alert level red. Severe risk of terrorist attack. Terrorist attack is 
imminent. You guys familiar with that? Now, the U.S. government tells us that we ought to be acting in a certain way corresponding to the present alert levels. All right, so if it's alert level green or blue or yellow or orange or red, you should be acting in a certain way in your daily life that corresponds to those alert levels. How are you doing with that? I mean, let's be honest. Is anybody in here aware of the alert level on Easter Sunday? Anybody? Now, red? Somebody thinks red? Well, that's the series. That's, did, did you not follow what I... Let me go back and repeat that. I know it's Easter. You know, you woke up late. You got a big breakfast. You're not paying attention. The series is called Alert Level Red. Everybody clear on that? Okay, appreciate the input there. Keep it coming, keep it coming. I mean, let's think about this. If you go to the airport today, what's the alert level? It's going to be orange. Did you know that? It's been orange for a long time. I mean, the last update on alert.com or whatever that website is from Homeland Security, the last update is three years ago. We've been pretty steady at alert level orange. I wonder if that means you do anything different if you go to the airport today. I mean, are you going to show up and go, alert level orange? (laughs) Are you just going to walk in there, check your bags, get on the plane and wonder, why did they have to strip search me? I mean, what what are you going to be thinking when you show up at the airport? You're not going to be thinking alert level orange, which is the next level from red which is imminent terrorist attack. In fact, I doubt that any of you are going to do anything today that represents, that corresponds to the alert level. How many of you today will go home and just review your emergency family plan? Anybody going to do that this Easter Sunday? Hey, folks, I think it'd be a great time. Family, let's gather around the living room table over Easter dinner. Now, first thing we need to talk about is our emergency evacuation plan for our family. It's threat level orange. We better get that down. Anybody going to do that? Does anybody here have an emergency plan? (laughs) You're supposed to have an emergency preparedness kit in your house. Anybody? I mean... You're supposed to, when it's alert level orange, you're supposed to go around to your neighbor's houses, knock on their house. Now picture this. You're going to your neighbor's house today. You knock on the door and they come to the door and you say, Happy Easter. How are things going? Great. So glad you came down to visit. Hey, do you have your emergency preparedness kit ready? Have you reviewed your emergency plan with your family today? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but Easter Sunday today, it's alert level orange. I'd like to come in and let's talk through that together. I mean, they're going to think you're a freak. I mean, who does this? If you have an emergency preparedness kit, you know what you're going to have in that? For our family, we're going to have about 15 gallons of fresh water. We're going to have three days of food, non-perishable food. And knowing our family, we're not going to have packed a can opener. We're going to be in trouble. You're supposed to have a sleeping bag for every person in your family. There are families here today that don't own a single sleeping bag. You're supposed to have 
a flashlight, some matches, in case you start a fire, a fire extinguisher. You're supposed to have all kinds, a pile of goods, all right? You're supposed to even have some cash. Now, let me ask you a question. If there's a disaster of national significance where terrorists are attacking you, I don't know that they're interested in being paid off. I think if it were me, I'd scratch out cash and put firearms. That's just me. But, but do you have this kit prepared in your home? I doubt it. In fact, if you come to my house and we've got this kit prepared and you're new to my house and you say, I'd like to take a look at the pastor's home. Can you guys give us a tour? And I begin to give you a tour for the house and you get to this spare bedroom and in the corner is piled this, this massive mound of stuff. It's got 15 gallons of water. It's got all this food for several days. It's got sleeping bags. It's got all these preparations. You're going to ask me the question, where y'all going camping? And I'm going to say, we're not. That's our emergency preparedness kit. Don't you have one? You're going to think, I'm st- it's time to start visiting churches. I mean, and, and the funny thing is, this stuff is alert level green stuff. This is not alert level orange stuff. This is what the government expects all of us to do if it's alert level green We're not even living to the green level. It's because we don't feel like that a terrorist attack is imminent. So we just live like it's never going to happen. Jesus Christ is alive. And he has promised to return. Maybe when the earthquakes were going on in Japan, maybe some of you thought about Christ's return. Probably not. Now, if an earthquake happened in Abilene, that might get you thinking. I mean, think famine, drought. We've been having drought off and on for 20 years. Does that make you think about the Lord's coming? You may want Him to come, but... How many people in Abilene this last year have died because of their stand for Christ? And yet we know that all over the world, in different places of the world, we've even heard in unprecedented numbers, people are dying for their faith. But it's not happening here each and every day, is it? And the truth is that we get caught up into our daily routines, and it's really easy to get lulled into alert level Green living. Just living life without any correspondence to what Jesus Christ has said. In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus Christ makes it clear He is returning. We of all people who today have gathered to celebrate the risen Lord Our gathering here is a testimony against us that we believe Jesus Christ is returning. That calls for alert, level, red kind of living. And these two chapters will help us see what it needs to be like in our lives on a daily basis to be living alert, level, red. Jesus Christ is going to return. How are you living? 
Those who are living as if what Jesus Christ said doesn't really matter for their daily life. Those living like Jesus Christ is not the living king who is going to return. Just living their lives like they want to live them without any concern for the things that Jesus Christ has said. Those living not believing in Jesus Christ as the risen Savior who promised He will return. Those living that kind of life, according to Jesus Christ, in chapter 25, verse 46, Jesus Christ says they will go away into eternal punishment. Those living their lives like Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Those living their lives like Jesus Christ will return. Those who are counting the days for Jesus Christ's imminent return. Alert, level, red, living. They will experience personally what Jesus says in the next phrase. They will go into eternal life. Look with me at Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Did you catch what Jesus Christ just said? When he comes in power and glory, that the nations will see his return and mourn. They will mourn because they lived like he didn't matter. And they will realize nothing mattered more. They will mourn because when he returns, their opportunity to trust him has ended. And only judgment remains. But Jesus says that those who believe in him will be gathered together with him from the ends of the earth. Jesus Christ is alive. We celebrate that. But by celebrating that, we are also affirming he will return. And when he returns, you will either mourn or you will be gathered together with him. And so the question for you today is, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? As you entertain that question, I want you to consider this story. It's a story that everyone knows, familiar with it, whether you've been in church for a long time or not. You know the story of creation where God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden. When God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden, that was a perfect place where they would experience fellowship with God. They were able to walk with God in the cool of the day in the garden. They were able to sit and eat with the Lord in His presence. They were able to have perfect fellowship with Him in this perfect place, enjoying God and all that He made for them. It was ideal. But Adam and Eve, They wanted to try their own plans instead of God's. 
they wanted to go their own way instead of God's way. They did not pay attention to what God said. They ignored it and chose to believe something else. And you know, sin comes in and breaks everything. Their fellowship is broken. They no longer have perfect fellowship because they have rebelled against God. And you know what God does? He brings judgment upon their sin. But when He brings judgment upon their sin, don't miss this. He also displays an incredible, incredible amount of mercy to them. And it's as if God is displaying in judgment with great mercy that His plan for mankind to be in fellowship with Him will not be thwarted even by sin. You see, God created Adam and Eve to be in fellowship with Him. They said no, and He said yes, and I have a plan that will not be thwarted. Even though I'm dispensing judgment, I'm displaying mercy because my plan is to redeem you. My plan is to reconcile you and bring you back into a perfect place with perfect fellowship where you can enjoy me and all that I created for you. And so when God brought judgment upon Adam and Eve, He said to them, I will also crush your enemy. That's what He told them. The one who stood against their fellowship with God would be destroyed by God through the seed of the woman. Now God also did something else in judgment that seems awful cruel until you see the mercy in what He's done. God banned Adam and Eve from their perfect place. He said, you're not going to stay in the Garden of Eden anymore. He blocked it off from them and they could not re-enter it. The perfect place was gone. Why? Because God did not want Adam and Eve to have access to the tree of life. Because if they ate of the tree of life, here's the mercy... They would live forever in this broken state. That's not the plan of God. The plan of God is not that anyone mourn in their brokenness, but that everyone be gathered into His presence to enjoy fellowship with Him. That is the plan of God. And He would not allow Adam and Eve to stay in a broken state, but He cast them out of the garden so they would have access to the tree of life so that one day they could be redeemed into a perfect place with perfect fellowship, enjoying the presence of God and all that He made. He had a plan. And the story of the Bible is the story of God's plan to redeem His creation. And as you walk through that story in Scripture, you're going to come to the place where God has redeemed or called out a people. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt. They had a leader named Moses, and Moses appointed several leaders among this group, about 70 of them. And God called Moses and those leaders to come up on Mount Sinai to be with him in his presence. When they got there, they saw the presence of the Lord. He was standing on pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. These were leaders who were a part of a group of people that had done nothing but complain and grumble since God brought them out of Egypt. Did nothing before God brought them out of Egypt except complain and grumble. They were sinful, and yet they came into the presence of God, and the Scripture says that God did not strike out against them. You know what happened instead? Moses and those guys got to sit down 
and eat a meal in the presence of God. Do you see God giving a glimpse into his plan to invite us in to a meal with him so that we might have perfect fellowship with him? But there was a problem here, and the problem was sin. Even though God invited them in, they would leave. And when they left, you know what they did? Just a short time later, they fashioned a golden calf, call it their God, and make sacrifices to it. The problem of sin has not been overcome. But God is still displaying his plan. I want to bring you in to know me, to walk with me. You see what God did with his people? He said, I want you to every year, I want you to come to the place that I designate. And when you get to that place, I want you to make sacrifices to me there. And when you make sacrifices to me there, because of your sin, I want you to eat and drink and rejoice in my presence. Do you see it again? God's plan is for us to come into his presence and enjoy fellowship with him and he wanted his people every year to come into his presence make sacrifice for sin and eat and drink and rejoice in the presence of the Lord because it's God's plan to redeem us to know him and follow him but there's a problem here because they had to do this every single year year in and year out they had to make these sacrifices for sins which says that these sacrifices of bulls and goats and the shedding of their blood was not sufficient to take care of the people's sin. They just had to keep on doing it because every year they had more stuff and it never permanently got rid of the penalty of their guilt. And it's not as if those sacrifices that God called His people to make were a failure totally. It's that those sacrifices were pointing to something better. Something lasting. Something eternal. Just hours before Jesus Christ was to be crucified, He gathered His disciples together to have Passover meal. They began to have Passover meal, which was their celebration of God delivering them from slavery in Egypt. Their celebration where a lamb was slain And God's judgment passed over them because the blood of the Lamb was applied to their doors. This was the celebration where Jesus took the bread and he said, This bread is my body, which is for you. Now what was being offered for them was Jesus' own body, the Lamb of God. Sounds like something new is happening here. And then he takes the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant, which is my blood. And he invites the disciples in to a meal of fellowship that is speaking redemption. I brought you in and I want you to know that I'm going to die for you, shed my blood for you, so the fellowship you enjoy with me, you will have forever through me. 
In the same way, we have been invited in to partake of this bread and this wine, this, this drink that is representative of Christ's blood. We've been invited into this meal of fellowship because Jesus Christ died for us, which takes care of our sin. Because Jesus Christ dies for us, which takes care of the death is due us. Because Jesus Christ died for us, God's wrath has fallen fully on Christ because Jesus Christ died for us and rose again. Our enemy is crushed and our fellowship is restored. We have been invited in to perfect fellowship. And Jesus Christ makes a statement at the end of the meal, the Last Supper. He says, I will not drink again from this fruit of the vine until I drink it afresh with you in the kingdom of my Father. Do you recognize what Jesus Christ did? I have restored fellowship. Sin is no longer an obstacle. And I am promising you a perfect place. A perfect place for perfect fellowship so you might completely enjoy God and all He created for you. So what will you do with Jesus? If you take the bread this morning and you take the cup, you are affirming that you have decided to believe that Jesus Christ is alive and he is returning. If you take the bread and the cup today, you are affirming that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and he rules your life. If you take the bread and the cup this morning, you are affirming that there is none other worthy of your worship and devotion than Jesus Christ. If you take the bread and cup today, you are affirming that you are committed to alert, level, red living. No more will you live like Jesus Christ is not returning. So what will you do with Jesus?